Oh yeah, welcome to another episode of Fight the Burnout. Today we have a very special guest, my cousin, um, Claire. Uh, she lives in the States. She has a very, very long, interesting story, which, um, yeah, we used to be really quite close when we were younger, and then she'd go off and do her things and then come back. And But instead of me introducing her- Admittedly, you did go off on a boat for like 20 years, so that was a little hard to stay in touch. This is, this is very true. This is very true. Took off on a boat and never came back. Yeah. So, um, so what we'll do is just like normal, Claire, I'll let you introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself and um, your backstory. Obviously, we're talking about burnout. I know you have a bit of um, history in um, the addiction side of stuff, which, um, you know, and then also some burnout stuff, but you're in a really good place. You got an amazing partner, two amazing kids, um, cousin, little cousins that I love to come and harass when I am there. <laughs> um, but yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well... Um, so I've always been like into sports, whether it was like softball or soccer or horseback riding or triathlon, marathon running, now jujitsu, some CrossFit type stuff. Um, but I, within that, like growing up, I just never really like felt that I belonged. I had this like pretty younger sister and I kind of had like ugly duckling syndrome at the time like it was like a little rotund until I hit high school so I would get people being like oh yeah you're Laura Chandler's sister and I would be like no uh, she's like <laughs> you know she's my little sister but um so I, I think like that and just like failing to have like a strong group of friends like it, I kind of joke and I don't mean this in a horrible way but I went to a wealthy people's private school not a lot of diversity there and my two best friends was, were uh, the one black girl in the grade and the girl with the last name Smelly spelled correctly <laughs> and <laughs> so it was um I had amazing teachers they they all would reach out to me but I, by about middle school is when I started to like lose interest in school I only went to like go ride horses I was pretty good at it I, I never really had like the amazing trainer to make me like not like I was a little rough around the edges always um and that that's also a money issue like my dad wasn't willing to spend 200 grand a year for me to have the finest horses and go to all the horse shows and I get that. that you did you did pretty well for what you had yeah yeah I had, usually had like a project horse and I'd train it and I'd flip it and I'd use the money that I got from that to buy another project horse to show and so I did that several times um but you know it's just like that was the first time that I started to feel like well shit when am I gonna get my chance and then my parents divorced when I was 16 and I would have like done drugs aside from that, you know, and I was, I was drinking obviously, but in high school, at least in Houston, illicit drugs are easier to get than alcohol. Wow. So I had a particularly wild grade and things were easy to get. And so I kind of like inadvertently ended up with an amphetamine addiction. Yeah. Um, and that was the first time like I went to, treatment and that happened several times up until I was 29 and I went to treatment 
you know, I'd have like good years or chunks of years, but ultimately I think it was like that young mind being like, no, I can handle this. This time it'll be different because blah. Um, and by the time I was 29, I had lost um, a lot of really amazing and horseback riding jobs, like on the East Coast. Um, I was working with some of the best trainers in the country. I was riding quarter million dollar horses all day long. Like what more wow. can you ask for? And I just couldn't keep it together anymore. Um, so I ended up back in Houston living at my dad's house and he made me sleep in the room with bunk beds, like twin size bunk beds, not the nice guest room. Yeah. It's just a, a don't get too comfortable like, here yeah. sort of thing. <laughs> um, and then I got, so I got sober uh, July 27th, 2014. And then I met Rob like four months after that. <laughs> yeah. That was so, just after, that was just after I saw you for our grandma's funeral, wasn't it? Was it just? Yeah. Before? Yeah. yeah it would have been. Yeah. yeah. I was a little out of control then. Yeah. Um, slow. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I haven't had a drink since, uh, that day perhaps the day before but um I realized that like I can't do this anymore and like alcohol to me is not hard to quit like I don't have that like really addictive part of me with that particular drug but it leads me to make all these other decisions like so before you know it Claire's gone down a rabbit hole and has disappeared for three months you know like so <laughs> that's just always been like my my hard line is like, no, I don't do that in that way. I don't do all this other stuff. Yeah. Gotcha. So that's your gateway as such. Um, yeah. They, they talk a lot you know, back in when I joined law enforcement, there was a guy who called, um, it was called, um, wrote a book that was called uh, drugs on the brain. I think it was called. And it mm -hmm. talks a lot about the gateway drugs and stuff like, you know, yeah. everybody, you know, a lot of people, especially if you end up addicted, you know, to, to, to things, um, is there's normally that first drug is that that gateway he talks a lot right. about cannabis is that and then you know but you know alcohol is literally if you think about it, really it is yeah. a gateway. so that's 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 quite interesting that you identified that um so Claire so what was it what was it do you believe that actually got you to go down that road because like obviously we're talking a lot about burnout uh on this podcast but ultimately I don't know would it be, you know, what were you seeking in the very beginning when you first kind of started to go down that road? Um, well, I think like, so as a kid, I would get these like panic attacks, um, you know, like in second grade or something. If I found out I wore the wrong color socks and it wasn't dress, it was dress day. So you can't wear the red socks. I would have like a heaving panic attack or I'd mm -hmm. go to chapel and they'd sing, amazing grace and I knew my mom wanted that played at her funeral which then I'm like oh my god my mom's gonna die and I would get this weird separation anxiety from her and it caused me to be alienated a fair amount from kids because they were embarrassing you know yeah. like to have a straight-up panic attack at that age and my mom would have to go to chapel with me because every single time I would get like that and so I think it was just this anxious personality that was never really like you know, I went to therapy as a kid, but I just don't, I didn't know what to do with it. I think therapy works better when you want it, you know? Yeah. 
Um, and I just like, I never felt like I belonged anywhere except for the barn. And I wasn't able to do that to, to, at the level I wanted to, you know, I wanted to be like homeschooled and ride horses and try to find an internship at a big barn. And, you know, my dad was like, no, so <laughs> whatever, you know, but, um, yeah. so I just think it left me to this point that like, while I know I would have used drugs regardless, cause I think I have that personality where I'm like, mm. Oh, what does this do? Yeah. Um, I, I think it's that like, well, you start connecting to those people that you do drugs with and they become like your, you know, your weird little family and it's the wrong kind of connections you're making. And oddly, those people are the last people that will get back in touch with you after you leave for treatment, you know, <laughs> like, so they're not really your friends. And, um, so I think it was just a combination of a lot of things. Um, but I will say that like, regardless of how anxious you are, or, like how, you know, how few friends you have, it's still your choice to make, to take that first, you know, hit from a bong or whatever, you know, <laughs> like, and how things escalated from there. Yeah. Um, prefrontal cortex isn't fully developed that doesn't help um and so like I think I would have gotten there one way or another the divorce didn't help but that was something I maybe use as an excuse to do the things I was doing and um and then that lack of feeling like I belonged you know would either put me back to doing drugs like if i was the sober person but i was starting at a new riding barn and they're all doing you know stuff you put up your nose and i just <laughs> want to get in you know like that's yeah. what i would do and i you know ultimately it just caused me to be completely cornered in my career in life and i just like I couldn't imagine ever, I couldn't picture my future. Yeah. So I would say that, that in and of itself is some kind of burnout, you know, especially like when you're living with your father at 29, it's definitely like burnout in terms of like the drug connotation. Yeah. Um, but I've also experienced it with a ton of other things like graduate school, you know, yeah. like, I didn't go pursue my PhD because I was so burnt out from my master's program. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I get burnt out from any one sport that I do. Yeah. So I have to kind of like go back and forth. I, I think it's important to have a lot of things you do. Yeah. So you have a lot of backups. So what would you define burnout as? Claire? To me, it's just that point where you don't want to do something. Um, I think that that the drug uh, definition of that is like when you get to that low point, you know, you're a burnout, they say hippie burnout, probably someone that did too much LSD. But I think burnout in general for me, especially me in my life now means I've gotten to a point, whether with my children, my husband, my sports, where I need a break. Yeah. Um, I'm oversaturated. <laughs> like, 
Um, and I can, I can feel that when I start to get the, I don't want to do that. Mm. Or, you know, like, I don't want to go to that class or I don't want, I, I don't, can't deal with the kids this afternoon. You know, like, I, and that happens to me, like if I have to take care of our youngest who has special needs, it's a lot to do. So mm. like that will happen if a nurse goes home sick or something. And I don't get to relate to her as my child. I have to be more like her caretaker. Yeah. And it's very stressful. And so usually the f- couple of days after that, I need some space like from those responsibilities because it's just really hard. You know, it's a lot to yeah. do and stay on top of. So got to put a different hat on, as I call it, different identity. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, it's difficult. It's difficult to do. So Claire, real quick. So 29, uh, well, was it 29 or 30? It was 29 or 30. You. It, it was 29 when I got sober and it, I just turned 30, like right before my sister's wedding. So yes. I was sober and I turned 30 sober, which to me was like great because it's not as depressing. Yeah. You know, like look at me, what do I have? So I felt like my life was on at least an uptick, but I still wasn't able to like, I didn't know what I wanted to do yet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. And then you met Rob. And then I met Rob Rob's on amazing. Facebook. <laughs> you met Rob on Facebook. Awesome. Okay. Cool. Well, it wasn't Tinder, so that's cool. <laughs> no. um, we had a mutual friend who I knew from Minnesota when I lived there. Um, and he's a triathlon coach. And Rob had actually used him as a triathlon coach because Rob was doing Ironmans with his ex-wife. And um, and we were lumped into this like training group on Facebook. Yeah. And we started talking about a sports watch. And now we have two children. <laughs> <laughs> so from a sports watch to two children. Awesome. That's exactly how it happens. <laughs> <laughs> just instantly, just sports instantly. watch, two children. <laughs> nah, okay, cool. So so okay, so let me ask, um, let me ask you this, Claire. So you've you've got had all this. Rob has been, you know, what has Rob been for you when it comes to say the burnout stuff uh, and also, you know, run the addiction side of things? Well, Rob doesn't drink, so he's and he didn't have a problem with drinking, but he's chosen not to drink because I don't. And I don't need that level of support. I'm totally cool if he wants to have a beer, he should. But he's like, Rob is my biggest defender. He's, if I need something, I always come first to him. Admittedly, the children come first to me and then Rob, because if I came first to him and he came first to me, who's going to watch the kids. So yeah. um, I think that's always the like balance that moms have where like they have a kid and suddenly dad's way over here. And I think it takes a long time to kind of redirect and do things special together again. Yeah. Um, and we didn't exactly have two easy children. So no, they're like little tornadoes, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. And you know, Ramsey was in the hospital for eight months. Yeah. And so every day it was either me or him up there. And then the other one would be with Carter who has no real idea about what's going on. And, you know, like we thought Ramsey was going to die when she was born, like for about three weeks, they had, I didn't get to hold her for three weeks. Um, and so we've had a lot of stress and I feel like we've done really well as a couple through all of that, but 
we are kind of looking for the non-character building part of our marriage now. Like, <laughs> yeah, I remember. I remember because I came in. I came and saw you guys, and I hadn't read that raw before. I came and saw you guys when I was on my motors on my life changing trip because I knew. yeah, you're <laughs> <talk with. laughs> yeah, 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 that's the one. And um, I remember coming and seeing you guys, and I remember you know you had Carter, you didn't you, uh, you had Carter, you didn't have Ramsey yet. Um, and Carter, like, you could not leave Carter. I remember we went to the gym and we ended up having to go back to daycare because she mm-hmm. was screaming her head they off. They called us, yeah. Yeah, they, they called us and it's like, oh, okay, cool. No gym then today. We'll just go yeah. to the park. <laughs> um, yeah. But it was, it's quite it's quite interesting because I remember when Ramsey, when you had Ramsey and Ramsey was really sick, and I was like, holy crap, how's Carter going to be? Because I remember she was still pretty clingy at that point, but it yeah. sounds like it, it forced her to kind of, grow a bit out of that in a way and, yeah. and stand in her own shoes so that that's pretty cool so so claire obviously you've had a lot of stress a lot of different things you know you've gone through the you know the years of not really knowing what you wanted to do the addiction to then going okay enough is enough i'm i'm changing first i want to ask is what was it that shifted you to enough is enough i'm not going back again i think it was my age mostly and then we did this one exercise while I was in treatment and I finally wasn't allowed to go to like one of those fancy wilderness treatments anymore. He, I like had to go to one in Houston. It was freezing cold in there all the time. And, um, they, they did this exercise of like draw a timeline of your addiction. So going back to when I was maybe 15, when I first tried anything all the way to 29, you know, and, to me, I looked at it and I was like, God, I have friends that have gotten married and divorced in this time. You know, like I have friends that are under their second wife in this time. What have I done? You know, and I had done some stuff. I had gotten some incredible jobs, like working for, working for top riders and in horse barns that would blow your mind if you saw them. Like, you know, it was the really nice places to work in terms of just like cleanliness and proximity to the horse show. I mean, our barn, you could walk down the aisle barefoot if you wanted to, like that's how clean we kept it. um, So it's not like I didn't do anything, but there I was sitting there looking at this timeline. I was just like, Oh my God, you know? And I just, I was like, I think I'm, done this time like I I really do Mm. and then I had this one once I got out of treatment I went to an AA meeting and I ran into this girl was saying something really funny in the meeting and I walked up to her she looked about my age and I was like hey I really liked your share it was really engaging I introduced myself and somehow oh she said she was in law school and I was like oh where and she's like U of H and I'm like oh my brother goes to law school there and she, I was like, oh yeah, Kyle, Kyle Chandler's his name. And uh, she goes, oh my God, are you Claire? And she just kind of like, kind of the wind went out of the space, you know? And she goes, I've been praying for you. Oh, wow. And it just was this moment, like a burning bush moment of like how my actions had affected so many people and that so many people were, you know, on my side that I didn't even know. Um, And having like, I still have that kind of connection to that girl where it's like, I remember that. 
Um, and so just like, I feel like things came a lot more e easily for me that time. I didn't have to like, at least in the program I worked, it was 12 step based and I always had problems with the God part. And I just kind of went into it being like, you know what, who cares? Like just yeah. whatever your God is, that's fine. Like just don't get caught up in that. And I finally finished working the steps. I've worked them since again, and I've worked them with sponsees. Yeah. So it's really, it was really important to finish those because I had never gotten past like the fifth step, which is like when you go over your entire personal inventory of shit yeah. in your life with, with someone else. Um, and then I, I never got to move forward from there. And it, sometimes it was cause I moved or, you know, it, it was not like I just couldn't complete the task, but yeah. it would just end up kind of fizzling out. And, um, and I just think it stuck with me. And then I met Rob and one of the first things I said to him was, one, you're 47, I bet. And he was like, you just looked at my profile. And I was like, no, I just have this tendency to date 47-year-olds. <laughs> and they don't end well. <laughs> and then the second, like, one of the first things I told him off the bat was, listen, I'm in recovery. Like, I don't know if this is going to scare you off or something. But, like, I have an addiction problem. I'm sober now, but I'm precariously sober because okay. you know at four months sober you're just barely climbing out of things you know um i was working for my dad doing like a job that really was not at all befitting to the way my brain works or you know taking pride in my work um i was grateful for the job but it was just kind of like filing papers and stuff and I have horrible ADD so that's just not something I can make myself do you know <laughs> like yeah um so yeah I just think I hit like a kind of bottom where I was able to be like oh shit this is the end of my career mm. there's no coming back to that and that's not true because I've since talked to trainers who fired me and they would love to see me again like I've gotten a lot of support from people, but um, just being old enough to understand the like, like I'm not in college anymore. Mm. Uh, I can't just go drop that class if it's too hard. Like this is real life and I'm not gonna have one that I'm proud of if I don't figure this stuff out. Yeah, um, gotcha, so. yeah. That, that, tur that turning point and then obviously, yeah, having that support and yeah, that's-, that's yeah. And having failed several times, like I finally understood that like, no, it's not, it's not an eating disorder that you just like to take pills so you're thin. It's not, you know, because you were young and made mistakes. You've, we've been on this ride before, Claire. Like <laughs> this is just where you end up when you take drugs and do alcohol. Yeah. Like it, and so I was just kind of like, okay, that's, that's it then. Yeah. And it helps being older because I don't feel left out if I don't drink. Like the only people that tend to have like a, why aren't you drinking? You know, or like active alcoholics, you know, like <laughs> if it makes other people uncomfortable that I don't drink, that probably says more about them than me. So you've learned a lot. Um, you've learned a lot. Of yeah. So I just don't feel left out. Like sometimes, like I was at my sister's visiting her uh, baby and 
they were picking up this beer called Mango Cart, and they had also had this offshoot brand from them called Champango. And I was like, God damn it, I want to try Champango. That sounds like fun, you know, but it's not like I'm going to drink it. But like every now and then I have a, I wish I would have gotten sober after I tried Champango. <laughs> yeah, they, they, or frozen rose, or, you know, like, um marketing companies have ways of trying to t- tug you back in <laughs> yeah there's always all the, the new r- drink is called ranch water i think i would like that it's like topo chico and lime and i don't know either vodka or tequila or something but oh. like I, but yeah i don't actually want to but some every now and then there will be something fun like that where i'm like a champango sounds nice right now. <laughs> Whatever it is, I'm sure I'll love it. <laughs> yeah, it's an, it's intri- it's intriguing, but the, the the cons versus the pros are not uh, they don't right right quite well enough. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, cool. So so Claire, obviously you guys have had a lot of stress and stuff. I know, yeah, like you said, you know, with Ramsey getting sick, and then you know Carter, you know, being Carter and now growing up, which is awesome. But then obviously I've seen recently, you know, I saw you guys were doing CrossFit. Now you're doing Jiu-Jitsu. You just came first, was it? I was third, but there were 12 girls, which is a pretty stacked division for yeah. me. Um, it, and the two girls that won first and second were from the same gym, so they didn't end up fighting each other. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. So if I beat that girl, then the other one was going to come and try to avenge her teammate. <laughs> and I didn't have my coach there. Um, and I was a little out of like shape because I had a bunch of nagging injuries, like stupid ones, like uh, rolling my big toe under my foot or something like, which dislocated it briefly, you know, or just stupid things that I kind of lost some fitness over. Yeah. Um, but I, that's a great outcome. That's that's a yeah. big, big competition for them. It, you get double points. Like, um, and third, I'm pretty happy with. I think yeah. the difference would third, be having third, my. That's, third. that's amazing. Um, yeah, I was I was happy with it, and really, I sh- I was fighting in the younger age group. I'm now qualified to go to Masters two, so I think if I ever get out of my white belt which at this point it looks like maybe three years from now. <laughs> I'm sure. Maybe it hasn't helped that COVID has canceled some of the competitions that I wanted to compete in yeah. as a white belt. So, um, so, so, anyway. so, so Claire, so you got all these, but you know, you got Ramsey who is like literally obviously with COVID, you got to be real, real careful about it. You got mm-hmm. Carter who obviously you'll be concerned about it. You got all this different stuff going on. So tell me what prevents you from, getting overwhelmed and burned out all the time? Um, I think that's not to say that like some, sometimes I feel really overwhelmed. Like we had a nurse that was sick right before Halloween. So like going into the weekend, we had limited care for Ramsey. And I find holidays to be stressful anyway, just because creating magic for your kids that they'll remember. This holiday in particular is hard because I don't know what my street's doing, if there's people with candy or like what's going on. And usually it's a very bustling neighborhood for that. Um, And then we're with the kids all day. 
without, I don't know if you can hear them yelling in the background. That's our au pair and uh, my four-year-old. So that will get me burnt out. Just like being the, like Ramsey is also a bullhead. Like she is stubborn and she pulls her trach out all the time if she's mad. Um, she can be very sweet, but God, both of my kids are just stubborn. Apple doesn't fall um, far from the tree, does it? Mm-mm. And Rob's <laughs> genetics don't help that. Um, but so I think what Rob and I generally try to do is like, I'll be like, I, I need this. I think asking for what you need, mm. your partner or your friends or your coach, whatever, um, and, and learning to recognize what it is you need, like, uh, is pretty crucial. And if you're not able to like recognize what you're feeling, you're not going to be able to fix the burnout, you know, like, why do I feel this way? Um, and I get it. I get it in my sports. I get it in, you know, with Rob, I feel burnout on him because he doesn't, he travels for work, but, uh, he hasn't traveled and what are we now? It's, November seven, eight months. Like we're like on top of each other all the time. And I'm used to us being on top of each other. And then he goes on a 10 day business trip and you know, like, so there's the, you know, he made a comment. He was like, Oh, well, here we are. Cause we weren't talking. And I was like, well, we don't have anything to update each other on. Like (laughs) I was here with you all day, you know? So, um, and in which case, if I'm feeling burnt out on him, and I don't mean that in a, like a horrible way, but like, I'm someone who really desires like my, my personal time. I like, I like to read and I like to do my sports. So like I do those in the morning and I like to, like, it's really hard for me to read because I have two kids. Like it, it becomes like a really big accomplishment when I finish a nice nonfiction, you know? <laughs> so, um, but Rob's great about that too. Like if I, if I say, I'm feeling, ah, he'll be, why don't you just go, go to your mother's or something and, you know, just sit and read a book. Um, he's like hyper supportive of that. And he knows that as long as I word it correctly, it's not a slight on him that I need some space. Like, mm-hmm. Um, I feel like if you're in a, a marriage where someone has a problem with you needing space, then you might want to look at that. Um, (laughs) but, uh, I I don't think that you like Rob just the other night was like, I'm really tired. I can't do Carter tonight. I was like, okay, I'll do her. Like, cause just the other night I had a headache, like a really bad one. And he, he He stepped up. Yeah, so it's you know taking up each other's responsibilities when you can, and um, I tend to do like all the like we joke that I have a alter ego named Deb, who does all the like house repairs and stuff like that. <laughs> um, so I do all of that. It's, you know we've had a pretty solid loss of income since COVID that we're kind of crawling out of now. So it started off as just wanting to do stuff that I wouldn't have to pay for. Yeah. And now I have, it's turned into like a full blown, like 
alter ego. I always joke that like, you don't want Deb to make a walk around because she'll find something and she'll go after it. So. I can see that. I can see, I can see you having an alter ego called Deb. Yeah. Definitely. So what, what I'm, what I'm, what I'm, what I'm hearing a lot of is the main things is um, communication and support. Mm-hmm. Ultimately have that support of somebody that you can, that you can, that you lean on but ultimately also communicate when you actually need something. Yeah. It's, it's so funny. It's hard to ask for what you need. Yeah. And I feel like coming from a 12 step background, I know how to do that better. I know how to communicate when I've been in the wrong. I know that like I can identify, okay, he's just acting in something that's a, you know, some kind of wound from childhood or, prior marriages like and I can cut him a break Mm. but I've also learned that if Rob slams the door and walks out that doesn't mean that he's divorcing me it means he needs a minute and not to go force a you know a makeup session immediately like um, he communicates differently than me he's from Long Island he's loud Um, he often sounds like he's yelling when he's not Um, and he's got a bit of a you know, he can have that kind of towny temper come up. Um, and it, it took me a while to realize it's like not something to be concerned about, but it used to really put me in like a, reminding me of my dad when we were kids. Cause my dad, when we were little is not my dad now. Um, no, so is- yeah. So it's just like a matter of like being able to identify when something's not about you. Um, or knowing what you need and knowing how to effectively communicate that to where it doesn't sound like um, a threat or like, you know, if, if you don't take these kids, I swear to God, that's not how you do it. You know, it's like, Hey, I really, I need to read for an hour. Like yeah. I need some time. That, so. that's self, that's self, that self care time as well. So you can come back fuller. Um, I talk about this a lot with my clients and with people that I talk to that self-care is so important. You actually almost in a way need to be selfish so you can then yeah. be the fully for somebody else or for your kids or for work or for anybody else. Because if you're burned, if you're burned the fuck out, then you can't show up for anybody and then turn right. and start to fall apart. You know, the dominoes start to fall in a bad way. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Um, and that's, I also know that like, I'm not the kind of mom that enjoys every minute of the day with my children. Like I'm a better mom when I have help with my kids so that I can go do the things that are me Mm. and only mine, like jujitsu and, you know, working out and stuff running. And that way, when I come back, I'm a better parent, you know? And I feel like that's important for parents and especially maybe for moms to not get so enwrapped in your kids that, by the time they leave, you don't know who you are anymore. Mm. Um, Because I have a pretty solid identity outside of my children. And whether it, if it comes out as selfish, like my sister and she apologized for it because she was like, sorry, I'm used to interrogating people. But she was like, why do you need an au pair if you don't work? And I'm like, so I don't kill Carter. (laughs) You know, like, I need time so that I can refresh and I can deal with her ups and downs and I can have quality time with her and not just like, let's just get through this. You know? 
Because yeah. um, it doesn't it doesn't help the relationship with you with her either, you know. And if, right. And you know, I I think that's so important because you have to you know, even if you're a stay at home you know mom you got to still have your own time for you because otherwise, like you just said, you want to wring your neck and that's not beneficial to anybody. Right. <laughs> right. When you get to that point, it's just unproductive. And I, you know, people don't ever tell you this, but like the newborn and baby phase is the easiest part because you don't have to worry about how your words will affect them for the rest of their lives. Like I now have to handle like, uh, so like my girls both have discovered their body parts and you can't shame them over that. You have to think about how you can't shame them if they pee their bed. You, you have to come up with something constructive, like, because now we're at a point where my words matter and my words can get sharper if I'm, you know, stressed or pushed to, or I guess spread too thin. Yeah. Um, you get to that, almost get to that burnout stage with with them because yeah. you you don't have that time to recharge yourself. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. So Claire, I'm a huge I'm a huge Y guy, the driving okay. thing behind everything that we do. So let me ask you this, Claire. So obviously you had had a real long you know life, amazing life, ups and downs, mm-hmm. but. What would you say, like, your why in life is? What, what would you say that keeps you driving through those hard times and ultimately, obviously, makes easy times even easier, but gets you through those hard times and just really gets you pushing? I think um, there's, like, I'm really into Hamilton, <laughs> the musical, yeah. And there's a, a song about it, how like history has its eyes on you and whether or not I'm going to get written up in history book is pre- pretty slim chance. But I think about it more in terms of like uh, my children and what like trauma they will carry on from me, like if I don't respond correctly. So for me to respond correctly to my kids, I need my things like, I'm not someone that would, that would ever be happy staying at home all the time. And it's almost impossible with Ramsey and what she needs. And then Carter will just disappear out the front door with the dog. And before I know it, they're making a pumpkin patch, you know, like, or Ramsey, I was taking care of the other day and I was setting up her feed pump and I turn around and I don't see her in her bouncer anymore. And she had like yeeted herself out of it and run off into the kitchen. I could hear her little, you know, so it just ends up being a lot. Like I'm just trying to simply do a three minute task and my kid manages to Superman out of the bounce to her and runs off. Like it's funny to me, but it's just like these, I just want to do this for you, Ramsey. Can you please stay there, please? without pulling your trach out because you're mad. Like, yeah. um, I, I don't know why, why I do, like, I feel like my family does not understand like why for me, I'm always really intense about sports. Like triathlon, I wasn't particularly gifted at, but I finished an Ironman. I did a few halves. I got into cycling races briefly. Um, I always loved doing marathons. I qualified for Boston last year. Um, so we'll see when they ever have Boston again, so I can run it. But, um, 
I have like a, I'm very goal oriented and I, I knew I had a shot at qualifying for Boston last year and I took it mm -hmm. and um, I tend to get burnt out when I don't have goals on the horizon. So like um, when all the, so all of our gyms closed down, mm -hmm. the only uh, training and jujitsu I did was either on zoom classes. I have like mats set up in the garage. And so they were doing like drills and stuff um, through our gym on zoom or I would take privates. So we spent an enormous amount of money on privates while the gym was closed. Um, and that like, but I still got to this point where I was burnt. Like, there's nothing to look forward to. There's no competition to train for. I was supposed to go to Pan Am's. Is that ever going to come back? Like, you just don't, there's so much unknown. It happened in racing too. Like, I, I'll get really burnt out after a marathon. So really, I, I didn't care too much because after I run a marathon in January, it probably won't be till the summer that I pick up running again. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, so I have to have goals. And I think I got very fixated during that lockdown time of, okay, well, if there's not going to be competitions, I'll just focus on getting my blue belt and we'll come back. Once I have that, we'll start doing this thing again, start competing. Um, which gave me a really like, it gave me a lot of anger and uh, like a chip on my shoulder because girls that I had beaten you know, within two minutes of a five minute round by, you know, a choke or some kind of submission. I mean, nowhere close to my ability. They have blue belts now. Yeah. And I choked the shit out of them in <laughs> the last competition, but it's, you know, I had to get kind of laid into by my professor about like, you need to stop with this shit. Like, I don't know what's going on with you, but like you're one of the most technical white belts I've ever had. You need to just chill out. And I, and then competition started again. So I was able to like, um, go to the Pan Am finally, although it was like, went from California to the heart of darkness, Florida in that Kissimmee, Orlando, uh, Tampa yeah. triangle. Um, it was just nice to have something to like go for. And there were 12 girls in the division. So I knew it was going to be hard. And I knew I could not lose my first fight after having flown away from my family for that. Like, cause Rob couldn't come because it was only allowed one uh, person or support person, like a coach or a support person. Well, yeah. I couldn't bring my coach because we had kind of a shift in our gym where they were, short staffed like we just brought our new coach in and he doesn't speak a lot of english yet yeah. this is not gonna be like all right here's your gym good luck uh <laughs> so i had i had a very good coach he's like someone if you're gonna drop five names of relevant judicious jujitsu jiu practitioners he'd come up and he yeah. would gave my professor his black belt um but he doesn't know my game, you know, and it's just a little that, but like, I felt that kind of like, huh, 
we and then now we're having Houston open again. And so it helps me gauge my progress better when I have something to do and it helps me not fixate on the belt. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, all right, girl, enjoy your blue belt because <laughs> she was actually like one of the girls who I, I choked out rather violently. Like I just pulled her up close and then did a cross choke that was like really strong and fast. I forget like how strong I am against other girls in my weight group. Yeah. And she kind of like griped it, but she was like, oh, okay, or, you know, like yeah. she got mad. And her husband was the photographer. And so it's kind of funny because you see a bunch of great pictures of her almost sweeping me in textbook form. You know, I'm about to go like this. Yeah. But they don't have the picture of when I sprawled my legs behind her and, <laughs> you know, she didn't finish the sweep. Yeah. And they don't have the picture of me choking her. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah. so... Um, so I kind of just think it's funny now because I know who's in the blue belt featherweight division masters one and I don't want to fight that girl again like that girl is really competitive I'm friends with her I talked to her and so that girl that I beat is now a blue belt and she had like a super fight with this other girl Susanna and I was just like oh I can't wait to watch how that goes <laughs> like, but really it's more of like a I don't know. I've just kind of been like, you know what? If it happens, it happens. If not, become a little bit more peace. So, it, it's a, what, I'm, what I'm hearing is that you just you love a good challenge. Yeah, and, and I like to. I'm still struggling with running right now because I don't want to start training for Boston until I know when Boston's going to be. Because I think I have one more marathon left in my uh, dinky ankle that doesn't handle marathons very well. Yeah. Um. So I don't want to get up too much mileage or, you know, I'll see. But, um, and I like the weightlifting. I like to like go for new personal bests and like a heavy lift. Um, I also like the kind of CrossFit type workouts that, um, I mean, that's what changed my body so significantly. And that's what made me be like, okay, well now I'm strong. I need something to apply it to. Yeah. Uh, and I heard Joe Rogan describe jujitsu as like, it's so addictive because someone will get you in a choke and you just can't, couldn't figure out how to get out of it and it'll haunt you for weeks. And like, and I was like, did you say addictive? <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> like, it, it is, man. I've done, I've done a little bit of it. I did cro more crop than I did jujitsu when I was in uh -huh. But yeah, no, it's the same thing. It's like, you get to that thing and you're like, I just have to, I just have to master that. I have to take, yeah. I have to. You can, no, tell me how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's that it's that breaking that brain that just breaks it for me or just breaks it down. Like, okay, cool. Tell me how to break it down and actually get through it. <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah. And when I first started, like I for six weeks was just like kind of a massive diarrhea before class and a complete lack of understanding of what was being told. Like it what is actually like three steps once you understand everything, to me felt like fifteen steps to get to that ultimate last part of the move yeah. i was not like my brain was not wired for it yet and i was stiff i wasn't as flexible um i really feel like my instructor would happily say that he would be the last one that i'd be the last one he thought would turn out to have figured it out you know 
Well, that's why that's why you're actually your addictive personality actually comes in handy because if you apply it to the correct thing, yeah, you're 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 a winner at it because it's just like and I, you know you see you, I've seen it you know you look at your marathons you look at you know your your CrossFit you look at you know the jujitsu you get addicted to it and I, I guess in the same way I do it and you just get singularly focused of I have to fucking I have to do this. Yeah. <laughs> I actually had a best friend of mine who's no longer my best friend tell Rob that like I was I was just using him for my lifestyle and it's never going to be enough for her it's always going to be another race another this or that I'm like yeah it is and you're by the way telling that to someone who did way more Ironmans than me he's equally <laughs> crazy like that's why you guys my, so well. my social activities are workout related like I, all my friends are from the gym or from another gym or, um, and I don't, my mom's not that way. My brother certainly isn't that way. My sister works out but more so because she knows she should. Yeah. Not because she gets a joy out of it. And I just don't know what to say to, to that kind of comment. Yeah. I, I was seeing the text messages come in on an iPad and he said like some horrible things about me and that I was acting in my addiction through sports. And I'm like, well, maybe you should try setting a goal and reaching it and seeing how great that feels. And then, you know, maybe you'll understand it more. So I've just always been like that. Like the triathlon stuff was a way for me when I was sober to focus, like, you, you see a lot of extreme personalities in these endurance sports or, you know, jujitsu because it taps down our crazy. Oh, you know? it definitely does. Like and even Dwayne Johnson talks about, it. he's like, he's like the gym is his, his anchor, his, 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 his spot that holds him true because yeah. of his past mental health stuff. Because he's like, I, you have to have some sort of direction, some sort of focus. Otherwise you just feel lost and you feel overwhelmed that you're like, what am I doing with my life? And yeah. so the gym is one of those places and you know, you're not alone in that. And the people that don't set goals, normally they actually have more that they need to uncover within themselves than the ones that actually do because the yeah. ones that will set goals are like, okay, cool. I know what I want. I'm going to go for it. Yeah. And you know, they're normally the ones that are more successful as well. So Claire, um, if you could, if you could jump back and tell your 15 year old self, one piece of advice, what would it be? I think I would tell her that all this horse show stuff, it doesn't matter. You know, like, uh, that was like my everything. That was what I wanted to do. I never wanted to be home. I always wanted to be at the barn. Keeping in mind, my parents were fighting a lot at the time. So the barn was like my sanctuary. Um, yeah, like I would tell her, you're going to get to a point where you're working at the finest horse show grounds in the world. And you're going to get to the point where you think if you don't go back to South Florida to be at that horse show and to have a job there, you're going to think you're going to die. But I promise you, you're going to take two years away from that. Your life is going to change. And you realize that none of that stuff is important. Mm -hmm. You know, like, it, it's just not. And it's the, so if I was to say George Morris to a jujitsu guy, 
Don't you? No, you don't know George Morris. He's one of the top Olympians. Nobody knows sport to sport, other people in sports. George Morris is the Carlos Gracie Jr., maybe even Carlos Gracie Sr. of jiu-jitsu. You know, and nobody knows who that is. So you have to realize that even through all these accomplishments that I like to set goals for, in the end, it doesn't matter. You come home with your medal, you eat dinner with your family, and that's it. You know, like, it it has to, to me, I like competing because it shows the holes in my training faster. Mm. Um, and I know what to come home and work on. That's like just straight up what I've learned from competing. Like if you want to progress, you should compete because I know it's not for everyone. It's a very like, uh, exquisitely, um, competitive sport. Like where if you don't choke her, she's going to try to choke you, you know? (laughs) Um, and I don't think I've ever competed in something where like, it's that intense. Um, but I really think I do the competitions more as like learning experiences and um, it's nice to get to just go full tilt on a girl you don't know and are likely to like not talk to depending on how bad you submit her. Um, but, you know, I choked out a girl in Florida and, and I have these horribly violent pictures from it and she friended me on Instagram the other day. It's a really like convivial sport. And if you get beaten legitimately by someone, all you want to do is kind of like give them a hug and like, you know, it, there's a lot of respect in that game. Whereas in horseback riding, there's not a lot of respect. Like it'll be like, well, why wasn't my horse prepped like that? Mm-hmm. I want my horse prepped like that so I can win. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of entitlement yeah. and in jiu-jitsu, if you fight someone that beats you, she beats you. Yeah. You can maybe go back and look at what you did wrong, but you can't be entitled to think that you deserved that win. Yeah. It's like the difference between bodybuilding and powerlifting. Yeah. Well, I've done three bodybuilding comps. I've done three powerlifting comps, and I'm like, it's so nice. Like, the powerlifting, like, you could be, you'll be in the same weight class as somebody, and you'll be up on the platform going for a personal best, whether it's beating that guy or not. And the whole fucking room is screaming at you to lift the yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's that, it's that. And then they come up and they, you know, even if you smash them, you know, smash them out of the park, they're like, you know, well, you know, they get up there and they give you a hug and they give you, you know, yeah. and they're like, well done. Um, yeah. And I don't think there's one girl, like I, I made a girl kind of briefly pass out and, you know, I was standing over, I had her sleeve and like, she kind of, she bobbled basically, you know, like it wasn't a full pass out. But yeah, I lifted her up and like there's sportsmanship and and that girl was immediately impressed by me and asked to follow me on Instagram. Like, and we have similar stories. We have two kids, like um, there's a lot of moms that I compete against. There's a lot of people that God forbid, I look at their Facebook profile beforehand because I'm like, we're politically aligned. She seems really sweet. Now I'm going to have to try to murder her. And then I'll have to tell her on the podium about how that bothers me because, <laughs> like, um, yeah, I don't generally look up my competitors anymore, but this one I did because her name sounded familiar. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, damn it. 
Yeah. Like, so, so ultimately, you tell your past 15 year old self to just not not take everything so seriously. Yeah, it's horseback riding is one of many things, you know, and you might find some other things like that mm-hmm. don't cost in order to be competitive a quarter million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. Like there's more out there and it just, you know, when you're embroiled in that and you think that that's the most important thing to you. And that you'd literally die if you didn't get to go back to that yeah. circuit. Uh, no, it, it you you'll be fine yeah. if you just walk away, yeah. and then it opens the door to a whole new set of possibilities that you didn't have when you were working twelve hours a day, six days a week. So, my job is to treat myself like the professional athlete. I think I am. Um, and I work pretty hard and I gotten pretty beat up over the year. I'm starting to feel the wear and tear, getting a few more injections this year. And, um, I guess my body turned 36 and was like, girl, you're going to have to find something (laughs) to help us out here. Um, but if that became a problem, I would go back to CrossFit and I would just like come in and just work on the skills rather than doing live training with guys that are, they might be ranked below me and they know that I'm good. So they just try to like smash me and that's their only skill at that rank. So mm. like technique will win out. Yeah. Technique um, so Awesome. I think it's always important to have a lot of interest. Like, so if you tweak your knee real bad and you can't do jujitsu for two weeks, um, it's nice to know how to swim or, you know, ride your bike or I don't know, read a book, (laughs) have multiple sports, you know, like, um, and with marathon training, I ran with, for the first year, it was like, I got one of Ramsey's occupational therapists in the hospital. We always talked to her because she had a Boston Marathon shirt. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. I've always wanted to try that. And so finally, when we were outpatient, she was like, so when are you going to join my running club? And I had never run with a group before, yeah. but that made all the difference in the world. And I ran a 7.53 pace for the entire marathon. Like, wow. That's a number that I could never conceive of back when I first started doing marathons. My first marathon was four hours and 54 seconds, 4.54, 53 or something like that. And my last one was 3.26. So that's two kids later, you know, like anything's possible. There's life after children, you know, Um, just have to figure it out. And um, I think it's important to have, like, I keep my, like, friendship group small because I like to have people that I know I can trust, that will show up for me, and I also just feel overwhelmed with crowds. So, like, a 15-person social circle is not going to work for me. No. Um, but, yeah, so, I don't know. I think... Or if you can't do jujitsu, try kickboxing. Like if you did something weird to your elbow, 
yeah. for kickboxing for a week. Like, um, and triathlon was always great because you could, if you're burnt out on your bike or if you've hurt yourself running, you can swim all you want. Yeah. You know, like it gives you those other means to work through either burnout or injuries, you know, so you can't just be a one sport person because ultimately that's going to lead you to a point where you're injured and now you don't know what to do with yourself. Yeah, and I don't cool. think you can run effectively without lifting weights effectively. Yeah. Like, uh, most of the girls in my running club, all they do is run 10 miles a day. Like I, I see them, this is like right after the marathon. I'm like, what are y'all bitches doing? Like, y'all gonna take some time off? Like, and I just went right back into it. There's no way. I shut down for three months after that and then I'll get back into it. But yeah, you could also try buying new gear if you have the means that kind of every yeah. now and then a nice new pair of Metcons or I, I bought the Nike Alpha Fly, yeah. the $275 version of the ones I ran in in the marathon. And sometimes, like, listen, I know not everyone has that, but like, just a little thing yeah. helps a lot. You well, know, even, like, even just buying, like, you know, just buying something small for yourself towards that, towards that goal can just shift the mentality and the mindset and the focus instantly and all of a sudden you feel like you're on top of the world instead of feeling like you're being dragged through the world you know yeah and it doesn't you know and you know sometimes yeah you know i say this all the time to my training clients because i've got clients that are training to get into the place so they got to be able to run a mile and a half and you know 12 minutes or all the way down to 10 minutes depending on eight you know, like depending on sex yeah. and so it's not super fast but it is still quick for somebody that doesn't know how to, yeah, yeah. It's, it, I mean, it's still, it's still quick. And so I'm not a short distance person. So, yeah. and so, so it, it's like a short distance sprint, but not a short, short distance. And so ultimately, you know, I tell them, I was like, shoes are one of the most important thing that you have. It's like, it's like putting cheap tires on a Ferrari. You're not going to do it. <laughs> right. The same yeah. thing. But anyways, Claire, I wanted to thank you very much. Um, for today uh it's been amazing uh it's awesome to hear you hear your journey in that as well hear everything because i haven't heard the depth of it like we did today so thanks oh for there's that. a lot more depth chris <laughs> oh, I know there is. And that was day, that was the tip of the iceberg yeah, one day, we'll, one day we'll spare your listeners from the yeah one day more we'll horrific to... parts of it um but yeah i wanted to thank you again thanks for everything and i know the viewers and listeners will get a lot out of this I know I did. And until um, next time, we'll talk to you soon. And um, love you very much as well, cuz. Love um, you too. We'll, we'll talk very soon. All right. <laughs>